Hey, I'm Soiree, and you're listening to Behind the Music with LED. Many have said that music has healing properties. Well, in 2020, we have faced a one in 100 year event with the COVID-19 pandemic. And music is one element that has helped carry us through. But this pandemic has changed our life in so many ways, especially so for Australian singer-songwriters who were once accustomed to performing their music in a live setting. Join me as I unearth what goes on behind the scenes during these COVID times across the Australian music scene. This is Behind the Music with LED. Today, here on Behind the Music with LED, you've got me. (laughs) I'm back every week. But today, episode five, I had a chat with Soiree recently. And yes, he's just as smooth as his name. Also, we've got Jono back for Jono's Top Picks, back with his weekly three recommendations. These artists are mostly from Australia, but you'll find week to week he also likes to throw someone in from the UK. And if you're not sure why, maybe you should have a listen to his segment. Corey is back as well for University of Music, and recently there have been some more developments in the industry, so I'm hoping that you enjoy what we have a chat about. And maybe you've got an opinion on it too. You know, you can send through your opinion to hello at ledofficial.com or find me on Instagram at ledofficial. Let's jump into our chat this week. Here is my chat with Soiree. Behind the music with LED. Where did your musical journey begin? I think my musical journey began pretty early on in life. My parents always played a lot of music in the house when I was growing up and it was kind of funny like they this is a strange story but as a kid I was actually terrified of dying it scared me to death (laughs) I didn't mean to make that joke it scared me so much and when a musician that my parents liked when they passed away all that was played in the house for like a month was that music and I thought ah these people aren't dying they're actually they're immortal in a way so as a child terrified of dying that seemed like a really logical thing to do was okay be remembered you won't actually die die (laughs) if you make music which of course you do definitely die but they kind of my parents definitely kind of instilled in me how important music is so that was kind of what tweaked it and then I was always just singing uh, as a kid for you know forever just singing along to things in the back of the car or whatever and then I guess it was when I was traveling in the back of a car as a young kid somewhere between Sydney and Newcastle and my my middle brother had smells like teen spirit on like a, a cassette player and he would tell me the lyrics he'd be like okay so it says you know, bring all your guns or whatever the lyrics are. He'd tell me the lyrics uh, and then he'd play it for me. He'd play that little section and then he'd pause it and then he'd get me to sing it back to him. And I think he kind of realised that, oh, this kid can sing. And then I thought, oh, I think I can sing. So yeah, it started really early on in childhood for a bunch of strange reasons. And so yeah, my fear of mortality and, um, and it smells like teen spirit, I guess. Who is the inspiration behind your music? I guess there's a lot of them. I um, try and pay like subtle tribute to a bunch of influences. Uh, in the music or the way I dress that kind of thing I think uh, Michael Jackson is a huge one I spent hours and hours in front of the television watching his video clips and listening to him and buying all his albums uh, even the terrible ones and there's a lot of them Um, so but yeah but also uh, David Bowie huge inspiration Freddie Mercury huge inspiration those are the kind of the old school ones but now uh, like Daft Punk 
um, Justice, a lot of the guys out of the French uh, electronic music scene, even Stromae, which is a, I don't know where he's from, but he's a huge, well, I think he's French, a huge French artist. So a lot of that stuff, and Stromae is even kind of where the name Soiree kind of came in. Like that's, the whole name is to be ambiguous, but also to sound French to kind of, it's a subtle, a subtle nod to those guys just for the full influence. So I guess a lot of it's from, from like pop and rock icons, but also, you know, new French stuff as well. What do you hope to achieve through your music? I'd like to quit my job. <laughs> uh, no, I'd, I don't know. I'd, I just think it would be nice to make music for people that they really enjoy. And it would be nice if people kind of, just for someone to say, oh, you should listen to this guy. This guy was really good. Or he did something really interesting on this song or whatever. Just kind of like it's one thing to make, you know, a really catchy pop song, but to actually influence the next uh, group of songwriters or even just a single songwriter would be um, be really cool. How do you define success in the Australian music industry? It's interesting because I actually um, just recently I saw one half of uh, now I forgot the name of them. Who are those guys? Um, they were really big in the early noughties and they had that um, the presets, that's the one that uh, mad song. Um, it's funny, those guys like you could argue that they're some of the most successful Australian music artists to come out of Australia recently. I mean, obviously there's Flume more recently, but those guys were like at the, you know, the pinnacle of Australian music for quite a while. And I just saw him like on the street, walking with his kid, just wearing a pair of shorts. I was like, huh, is that what, is that what this, you know, what I'm aiming for? But no, not to shit on that guy at all. I'm sure he's lovely and the shorts looks great. But the way I would define success in the Australian music industry, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like in well, some ways, I think the Australian music industry can be um, sometimes disheartening if you look at the numbers. I remember I had a, a lecturer at uni and he said, if your album goes to number one in the Australian charts, you know, you, you could pay back the cost of that album. If you get in the top 40 in the US, you can probably retire. And that was really sad. How do you define success in the Australian music industry? I think it means you can just live. You can just be, you can just go and get coffee in a pair of shorts and not have to go to work later. Maybe that's it. I don't think it looks different in Australia to anywhere else. Well, no, actually, that's not true because it definitely does. Because, I mean, I'd like to pay back the cost of an album if I ever make one, which I'm in no rush to because no one listens to albums anymore. Success in the Australian music industry looks like you're not going a nine to five anymore. That's what I think. What is your proudest career moment to date? Well, I actually finally got on commercial radio really, really recently, which is nice. Uh, community radio has been great to me. They've been so, so lovely all around the country. Shout out to every community radio station, 2RRR and Triple H and 5GTR. These, like, there's some really amazing community radio stations out there who have played all my stuff, and that's awesome. I'm so thankful for that. But up until recently, commercial radio just wouldn't touch my stuff. But then they did, which was great. That was a huge moment for me to hear myself on commercial radio. That was awesome. Everything that's happened is, is so nice, but they're so kind of, all these moments are kind of incremental and you kind of like, you take these steps and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then you look back and you kind of, you've got so many things that you've done that's just been awesome. Like I've loved working with Fela and uh, Samuel J recently. So yeah, I mean, there's so many, I think I'm just proud of. Honestly, my proudest moment as I sit here speaking to you is that I'm proud I'm still doing it because I know a lot of people have given up and I don't mean, I don't want to, I think I'm not, I'm not trying to be, vain or toot my own horn or anything but I think I'm proud that I haven't given up which music artist would you consider collaborating with? Mm, 
honestly, it's not something I'm not against it, but I'm also not seeking it out. But again, like I said, I've I've worked with Fela in the past. It's a producer from North Sydney. Worked with Samuel J. Really recently, he's from Brisbane. I never met him. That's the beauty of the internet. You can just make music without even being in the same room now. But it's not something I ever seek out. Like I'm not chomping at the bit to work with anyone or you know try and get someone's sound or anything. It's just kind of like someone slides into the DMs at the right time. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. I'll do that. The thing that I love about being a solo artist the most is that there's no compromise. The only person I'm trying to make happy as myself which is why I stopped being in bands because I don't like having to compromise and you know when I'm when I'm pretty certain that an idea is good I want that idea to happen when you're collaborating with people you're you're also having to um you're managing other people's expectations as well you know people have different standards of um what's uh, what might sound amazing to one person could be not that amazing to another person I also I realize I'm being so negative on a lot of these I'm not a negative person that said, collaborating is really, really fun because it'll open the doors to musical doors that you just weren't even thinking. I worked years ago with Niall White, the lead singer of Little Napier, and I had this song for, I was sitting on it for like a year and I got him in to kind of help me with lyrics and he just brought out a melody that I just, in a million years, could never have thought of. It was just so different to where I would have taken it. So that's why collaborating is really fun. That said, I'm not I'm not chasing a collab anytime soon. It's just like, if it feels right and I like the person they seem like a cool person I think it'll it'll work then then I'm down for it what words of wisdom do you have for upcoming music artists the biggest thing is to remember why you're doing it in the first place I think uh, so often and I'm so guilty of this I, you'll get trapped you start chasing the wrong thing and you kind of forget why you're doing this it becomes a job and particularly with social media you start to think that the stats your numbers are what you're after when it's not if you're making if you're making music because you love making music, that's all it should be. Just make music. And if people enjoy it, fuck, that's a bonus. Yeah, I would try and keep that in mind more than anything else. And also, don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry if you sound too much like someone else or not enough like someone else. Just make whatever comes out of your heart. That's pretty much it. Because it's your art. <laughs> I should patent that or something. But yeah, just remember why you do it in the first place. And it's, if it's because you love music, then that's awesome. If it's because you want a million followers on Facebook, maybe go do something else. Because it's tough and it's so, so, it's a long road. I mean, there's, well, there's you might be like the 1% who release one song and then they just blow up and that's awesome. And if you're one of those people, then what a gift. But just stick it out. It's going to be really, really hard sometimes. And it's going to be really, really awesome. So yeah, and also don't feel like you've got to, don't feel like you have to say yes to everything. I think when you get into a, a certain level, um, certain opportunities come your way that mightn't always uh, be in line with your values or what represents you best as an artist. Like, for example, I was offered a gig in a shopping centre as part of some launch for something. I don't even know what it was anymore. Uh, and I, you know, I said no because I couldn't think of anything worse than playing in a shopping centre. <laughs> Because that's not what soiree is. That's not me. That's not. It's not what I represent. That said, there's probably a lot of artists who would do great in shopping centres. But the point I'm trying to make is, you don't have to say yes to everything. Um, stay true to yourself. Um, and it sounds so tacky because everyone says it. But the reason everyone says it is because that's what works. Just do you, and don't worry about um, about what other people are doing. And then like. Also, you'll get to a certain level where people start giving you shit. And honestly, I would take that as nothing but a positive because it means I think if you're pissing people off there, you're pissing them off because you're doing well. And some people don't like that. 
So don't take that to heart either. But just just keep going. That's my advice. Let's connect online. You can follow me at soiree underscore underscore on Instagram or soiree underscore music on TikTok or I am soiree on Facebook. Jonah's top picks. Hello, it's Jono here from The Biz with Jono, and welcome back to another Top Picks with Jono. So get those fingers out of your ears and get ready for some more amazing music and artists for you to go and check out this week. Bernadette Novambra, singer-songwriter and lyricist, rock and soul, or classed as neo-soul. She's from Victoria and performs with a 10-piece band usually. She's described as one of Melbourne's hardest-working musicians, and she's toured all over Australia and Italy. Alternate route, everybody knows, and Delirium are just some of the tracks you're going to need on your playlist. I recommend you go check out Bernadette Novambra on all great platforms, including Instagram. Do it now. Do you love pop? Well, you're going to love Melanie Valentine. Found on socials as Melanie V Music. She's got sounds and tones of all the great pop stars, including Katy Perry, but with original songs that will have you dancing and singing in no time at all. Hits like VHS Tape, Balloon, and the newest track, Never Backing Down. She's a hardworking mom also, so go support Melanie V. And you can find her on Insta as Melanie V Music. He's an independent artist, and he's a singer-songwriter, punk-inspired coastal punk. His name's Rob Moley, and he's from Western Australia. His debut single is called Every Day, and he's out now. So check out all things Molly on all great platforms. That's Rob Molly. Go check him out. He's a great chap. And they're my top picks for this week. Back next week. Chat soon. Can you believe it, Corey? We're already halfway through season two. Well, it's gone so quickly, Ellie. <laughs> no. It's like we've just banged these out one after the other. It's crazy, isn't it? But I appreciate oh, yeah. you having me back each and every week. Oh, it's 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 a lot of fun. You know, we've been friends for I'd say a long time now, and we've always you know kind of had that crossover with radio and and our promos on Insta. And it was like, well, it just felt natural to have you a part of the team. Oh, thank you. Now, with this podcast mm-hmm. today, I'm going to ask a really big question. And I know that guests that have been featured on this podcast and I've worked with in the past and have collaborated with, they also have the same concern. With this podcast, I have an APRA AMCOS mini license. Now, it's acronym central there. Acronym central. But I'd like to share with you how I got the license and that might help you understand where my question is coming from. You sure thing. I went to the APRA website. I chose what I thought was the right license, which I know what is the right license. I then paid for the license and I have not received anything since. What I filled out was supposedly an application. That was done at the very beginning of the podcast, so I'm talking like early June. I've had no correspondence. I've had no email, nothing. I've got a receipt for my payment. But typically, I would have thought if you're applying for a license, you do the application, they come back and approve or reject, and then you consequently pay. It's kind of a bit backwards. Are you saying that it's like, uh, give us your money and then you can play whatever you want on your podcast? Well, is is that what they're saying? Bit, <laughs> this sort of feels a little bit like, and I just wonder what happens when it gets to next June. Will I get a reminder to pay my fee? Or... Oh, I don't know. Did you hit direct debit? <laughs> no, there was no direct, no, there was no direct debit. The thing that concerns me is, I've been told, and I was told by APRA that I needed this license because of my podcast having some form of music. Even though I've got, you know, consent artists, I needed the license. Okay, all good. 
And I took the licence out because it's my understanding that APRO then pays royalties to Australian singer-songwriters, producers that have their content shared. I've gone so far as to even tag and notify the artists that we have featured. You know, especially last season, I let them know because I'm assuming that they can then claim royalties. But I've had a lot of musicians tell me, Cora, they're not even sure where their music's been played and they're not receiving royalties when it is being played. Okay, so how are you supposed to report? Because I know in a radio station situation, a couple of times a year, uh, at at varying times for a whole week, this is is my experience or what I've experienced, that you need to report every song that you play on the radio station in that week and the amount of times it's played, and you have to do that a couple of times a year. How, How are they polling you so any songs that you play the money gets to the right person i I would like to know that too it's it's such a good question and like i've put out my receipt my email receipt for the apra amcos online mini license agreement and what it says here is thank you for your application attached is your tax invoice and receipt of payment please keep a copy of this for your records it really is about money isn't it it is the first thing they talk about is Here's your receipt. I know APRA AMCOS will request a reassessment of your license in 12 months. For further assistance, contact us. That's it. That is literally it. I'm assuming they're not just dipping up all the license fees that they've got and spreading it evenly amongst every single artist. I'm assuming they're not doing that. So the, the question that you posed earlier is like, well, how do artists know where they're being played? Exactly. How do they know? And they're, they're giving me consent to be featured in this podcast. Like, if we go back to episode one of this season, season two, with Karen Jacobson, and I played, she said it was okay for me to play her track, a new track titled Melting Moments. You know, she's given me permission to do that. But is Karen getting any royalties? I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't been asked to report anything. All and I, what, what, by you telling Karen, uh, is she supposed to then take it to um, to APRA and AMCOS and say, here, here's proof of my song being played on this podcast. Can I have my five cents? I have no I mean, idea. it shouldn't be the artist's responsibility. I mean, what are these businesses doing with the money? I, I, I don't know, Corey. And the other thing that troubles me is, like, the licence I've taken out is for a, a podcast minimal licence, category A, less than 110,000 downloads per annum. I have not had anywhere near 110,000 downloads. How do APRA AMCOS know how many downloads of my podcast? Like, I have access to that information. And they That's don't. not publicly available. Right. So how do they know? 110,000. That's a huge number of downloads. Maybe they are doing it on trust. But if you're listening and you work for APRA AMCOS, please call me. Contact me, hello at ledofficial.com. I want to have a chat with someone. I don't understand. I mean, I've, I've had chats previously on the online chat and I've got them in my email too. It's like I'm talking with a bot. It's, it's actually called bot. They didn't even come up with a clever name for it. No. And then someone okay. came on and, and I had a chat with them and I'm like, should I be applying for a mini license? Like none of my podcast episodes breach what you've said. And, and she's just like... Yeah, the online mini will provide communication clearance. That's awesome. But the thing is, I've I've done it. But there's there's nothing. There's no follow-up. So I guess... You know what it really sounds like a bank fee? A transaction fee that doesn't really cost as much as banks used to charge us, particularly in relation to non-home bank ATMs. What, what are they doing with this money? You know artists. Are they getting 
world. He's like, how does no, that happen? I, no, I, I, I know a number of artists that aren't receiving anything. This is what I'm concerned about. You know, but I'm assuming they pay money as well to be part of this. A lot of money that's put into this, and you know, some will say that it's just a money making exercise. I don't know. I'm not well, seeing any dollars like come it. through. I have I'm absolutely not... no uh, no expertise in this, but I'd say it sounds like uh, someone is making a lot of money here. Well, as APRA AMCOS say on their website, we're here for the music. We help music creators get paid for their work. And we give music users easy ways to legally play and copy what they like. Royalties keep the music coming and ensure the industry's future. That's interesting. Maybe yeah. I need to follow up. You know what, Corey? I'm, I'm going to give them a call this week. And when you're back again next week for University of Music, let's have a chat about my findings. Okay, Afra Amcos, you're on warning. Ellie's <laughs> coming after you. <laughs> well, she's at least going to ask you the questions. Uh, whether she rears her, her, her fangs, that's that's another story. Oh, hang on, I've said too much. <laughs> Thanks for the chat today, Corey. Uh, that's all right, I'll Fangy. Let you know, <laughs> I'll let you know what happens from my follow-up phone call the next week on the podcast. Thank you, Ellie. See ya. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Big thank you to you for listening in, but also big thanks to Jono and Corey for their continued contribution week after week. In this season, Jono and Corey will continue to join me right up until episode 9, with episode 10 being the final episode of the season and the final episode for this year, 2020. If you've got some feedback, you know how to get it to me. I'll put that in the details here in the podcast so you can read how to reach out to me. But also, I'd love for you to subscribe and please keep listening each week. I really do appreciate your support. Catch you next week for episode 6. Got a question for industry? Send it through to hello at ledofficial.com. This is Behind the Music with LED.